This is Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just a Good Conversation. When your first year with the NBA lines up with Kobe and Shaq's first year together with the Lakers, life is good. Real good. 22 NBA Finals, three Super Bowls, and five Olympic Games later, my friend Garrett Elwood is crushing it as the Denver Nuggets team photographer and enjoying the good life. We went to Hawaii for Lakers training camp, and they had preseason games at the University of Hawaii, and that was the first gym that I ever lit. I didn't know anything. I just remember I had a, a, a notebook, and I just remember going into the catwalk at that place and writing everything down. It was just completely overwhelmed, but consumed. I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Just fell in love with the whole thing, and, and uh, that's where it all started with Andy. I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to all our archives. My guests have ranged from any winners, real estate agents, and photographer, Mike Golden. I know I want to be different. I always, I'm always trying to think different, what's different, what can work. What, and, and most importantly, I, I guess I've always concentrated on realizing that I, I'm working and that there's someone counting on me for something, you know, a picture out of this event. So as, as different as I want it to be, I still, it still has to be there. It still has to happen. I can't just say, well, yeah, man, but I had this vision and it didn't work out. That's not going to fly. Right. You, you got you to gotta come up with something. Go to justgoodconversation.com for all our archives. Let's take a quick break for the sponsor before diving into my conversation with Garrett Elwood. I am very fortunate to have not just a talented photographer, a wonderful person, but a man with a damn good head of hair. Garrett, how are you? <laughs> I'm great, man. It's good to talk to you. <laughs> you too. I don't know if you remember this. It might have been 96, 97. It was your time with Andy. But Andy Haight was at the forum as well, which was kind of rare to have both Andys in the same place at the same time. Yeah. So, I don't know. At that point, they're probably in their early... 50s maybe and you and i were standing together probably standing over flash wizards trying to make sure those goddamn things worked and <laughs> andy hate said to andy bernstein we used to have hair that good <laughs> <laughs> and i just remember that going oh okay well <laughs> Listen, my, uh, I still have mine because of uh, Propecia, so that's, that's, uh, that's the only reason I still got it. <laughs> well, how in the hell are you? I'm good, man. I'm just um, I'm, I'm really busy, which is great, and I'm still doing uh, what I love and, and what I was doing when I met you. Like, I, I know. All those years ago, and we, we both kind of started out at the same time. I know. Okay, so I want to play this. Uh, it's it's obviously a jump down memory lane. I want to see if you if, if I play this, if what this does for you. All right, all right. <laughs> does that do anything for you? Do you know what that is? It's from the forum, right? That's Isn't right. That, uh... Yeah, that's right. That's uh. we would be up in the catwalk and we'd be like in the dark trying to get packs on and put up remotes and some audio guy every Sunday played feels yep. so good by Chuck Manioni. And, and, and go it, ahead. It's all, well, I, every time I hear it, I, 
it's like a, a man crush between you and Robert. Like I just have these moments <laughs> of like sitting there going, oh yeah, it was, you know, it was Sunday mornings. It's so funny. There's little triggers that, that you get from the old forum, uh, the old the UCLA band that used to play. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, where they would serve breakfast underneath the bleachers sometimes and the blue carpet and that little press room. Um, I mean, that, that building was an absolute dump, but it's where I started and I had so many great memories and, and the light was so beautiful in that building. See, okay. So you um, said dump, but you just ma- named like three or four, three things I would give a hand for to have back. The, uh, uh, all of it. As much as I'm sure you love your building, it's not, the light just can't be as nice as what it is at the forum. Uh, well, l- listen, you could drive your car down the ramp, unload your gear, um, just stuff like that that you can't do anymore. And and just that, that ceiling that used to go so utterly black oh. in the background, shooting Fuji Chrome in there was just, you know, the greatest thing ever. <laughs> tell, tell me, as we roll through memory lane, where did you grow up and fall in love with photography? Uh, born and raised in Colorado, back I'm back home. Wow. And I've been back since, uh, when did I move back? 2001, I think. But right. yeah, born and raised here and then uh, fell in love with photography in high school because I had no idea what I was wanted to do in life and um, you know, stumbled on that and, and just thought, wow, I guess I should go study this somewhere. And I went to uh, <laughs> the University of Arizona and, and majored in photography there. But I... I I took kind of a different route because I didn't, it wasn't journalistic. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I probably should have taken some writing classes um, and some journalism classes, but it was a very creative, it was a fine art degree. So I took a lot of uh, graphic design classes, ceramics, sculpture, figure drawing, uh, art history, all this stuff that I think really, really helped me now. Sure. You know, and it was my found my foundation, but um you know, at the time, it was just that's it was just what I was doing. What was your first camera? Do you remember? Uh, all right, so my dad was not he he was into photography, and I, that's where it all came from. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't a pro, but he was he was definitely into it. And he would shoot slide film on all of our trips. He would shoot um, Kodachrome, and then we'd sit down on the weekends and and have slideshows. <laughs> Uh, from our trips and usually because it was like an air show it was boring it was like 500 pictures of airplanes <laughs> yeah um, like, i was there dad <laughs> <laughs> but he's really the one that got me into it and i think the first camera was just a, it was like i still have it it's a little kodak box camera it wasn't a brownie but it was a real basic it's like 126 or you put these weird cartridges in it yeah uh, but the first legit camera he got me was a uh, pentax k1000 and i think i was 12 um, and it was like, I think I'd had a 135 and a 50, um, you know, prime lenses and, you know, he just let me shoot it was awesome. Like he would always process the film and encourage me, but, uh, it definitely came from him. He knew enough about photography. And when he saw that I had an interest, he definitely, you know, supported me in it. That's, that is fantastic that he gave yeah, you and, that and I, freedom to go do I, that. Plus, that was a pretty serious camera for like a 12, 13-year-old. Sure. It was all, you know, I don't even know if it had 
program on it. You had to, you had to like, he knew enough about like aperture F stop shutter speed to kind of get me going. And, um, I remember the, one of the first rolls of film I ever shot was my brother got in a car accident and we <laughs> went to pick up his car. And I think I shot a full roll of his car wreck, like <laughs> every angle of his car. Um, but you know, just total, total support. Like he, he is my inspiration, started the whole thing. Um, and that's where it came from. Wow. That's, that is, that is cool that he saw that and gave you that freedom to just go, here's, here's a tool, go have fun. Yeah. Super lucky. Like really, you know, you, you take it for granted, but in hindsight, it's like, wow, what an amazing, uh, gift. Right. You know, he gave me. So have you done cool. that with your boys? Uh, not with photography. I mean, I, I definitely will give them whatever cameras I have and let them try it. But I'm almost like, you should find some other industry maybe to get into. <laughs> Here's the Wall Street Journal. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Seriously. Get them on Robin Hood and get them going. Yeah, on, uh, exactly. I need uh, you guys to take business classes so you can take care of me in my old age. Oh, my God. But I, I do see, like, I have three boys. So one of my, my son's. I, I see the creativity in him and, and he's, he's a student like I was and is bored with, with school entirely, except for his uh, creative outlet classes, you know? Right. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Who knows? Right. Yeah. Well, as long as they can take care of you when you're old and gray and you need somebody there. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So you get done with your Arizona time. Where do you go from there? Uh, I had a um, a buddy that I worked with at a golf course, and we were sitting around like, hey, I was thinking about moving to L.A., and he said the same thing, and so we moved to Brentwood and shared an apartment and um, worked in restaurants and kind of got things going, and he actually got an internship with the Clippers in, I think, their marketing department, and so that was the first kind of introduction that I got to Andy Bernstein um, was through him. And I, I think I went to a game and he introduced me to Andy and Andy, you know, Andy, he was just like, who are you? Get, you know, get out of my way. Right. But I kind of got just to see like the whole thing, like, you know, there was cameras there was people running everywhere, the whole thing. So, you know, I was able to go to a, a Clipper game um, and, and meet him, but it, I didn't really, it kind of came back around a couple of years later where he needed an assistant Um where we really connected uh, and everything got going, but um, that's how it started. So during that short time though, were you doing any photography in LA or were you just trying to make ends meet? Uh, I, it, it, you know, it was the first six months. It was just the ends meet. It was restaurants and, and I worked at a golf course. Um, and then I worked at a headshot place in West Hollywood, um, which was a crazy experience, really good. You know, and I learned a lot, but it was just a wild uh, it was like two years, I think I worked there. And then, um, from that, then, oh gosh, how did it go? I moved, uh, to Orlando because I fell in love with this girl who's now my wife. <laughs> oh, that'll uh, get I you just, every I, time. I literally dropped everything and I was like, okay, I'm going to move to Orlando because she lived in Orlando. So moved down there and, basically, you know, didn't have any work, started again from scratch, but um, had an opportunity from the same guy that introduced me to Andy. He was still, um, he was now working for the league. So he's like, hey, do you want to go to San Antonio and, um, 
and uh, go to All Star. And I, this was 94, 95. Yeah. And so I tagged along with him, stayed in his room. Um, he introduced me to uh, someone with NBA photos, and I shot party pictures at that All Star in San Antonio. I want to say it was 95, but I'm not sure. Okay. Um, and that was kind of my introduction to them. I, I think I shot a couple parties and didn't never went to the arena, never really saw much. But the following year, when the Eastern Conference Finals came through Orlando, uh, one of the ladies that worked at NBA Photos, Pam Healy, remembered me. And she called me up and she's like, do you want to work the Conference Finals? And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, of course, I'll do whatever you need. And that's when I met everybody. Uh, so that was the Magic Bulls Eastern Conference Finals in 96. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, and I, you know, I didn't know anything. I had, I think I had one film camera and a flash and I met Scott Cunningham. He gave me a lens. I met Andy, Nat Butler, uh, Jesse Garibrand, all these people that I still work with, which is crazy, but yeah. that was really the, um, my initiation into NBA photos and, and my basketball photography career. So, uh, from that, I was just like, this is the greatest thing ever. I want to keep doing it. And so I said, if I fly myself to Seattle for the finals, you know, put myself up, you know, can I work for you guys? And they were like, yeah, of course. So I flew out to Seattle and, and, and worked the, the Sonics Bulls finals that year. And really, you know, I don't, for whatever reason, I worked a lot with Andy on that trip and got to know him. And that was kind of the beginning of that Flash Wizard 2 Yes. You know, the crazy yeah. um, or, orange calculator looking thing. Uh-huh. Um, so that's when I started getting to know him. And then that summer after that finals, I think his assistant left and he needed somebody. And I was like, I'm moving back to L.A. So moved back to L.A. and started working um, with Andy full time. Yeah, it was interesting because that period, that's when – the flash wizard came into play and everybody really did need an assistant before that. You can kind of fudge it and just work right. a little harder and get it done. But once that came in, you needed another body. Well, it's just so much gear. Oh and, and yeah. Cords and cables, wires, cameras. You could, it was limitless. So as many of those that you could have, you could put up cameras. You right. Know, it just, it changed everything as far as remotes. Oh God. Yeah. It went from, okay, I'm only going to have one here and one down court too. I can have 12 down court and 12 near court and maybe some more. What do you got? I mean, it was just, it, it was an absolute game changer for the way we captured right. images. So that summer was Shaq left Orlando mm -hmm. and the Lakers drafted Kobe. And then I got to LA and I think I did, one little thing with Andy and he's like, Hey, are you ready? We're going. We went to Hawaii for Lakers training camp. Um, and they had a preseason games at the university of Hawaii. And that was the first gym that I ever lit. Uh, I didn't know anything. And I just remember I had a, a, a notebook and I just remember going into the catwalk at that place and writing everything down and was just completely overwhelmed, but consumed. I was like, this is the greatest thing ever like just fell in love with the whole thing and and uh that's where it all started with andy man if you can get thrown into the deep end that's a hell of a spot to to find yourself because that's an unbelievable 
chance of a lifetime. Well, it, it, and it was just luck that Andy needed something, someone, right. And that I was, you know, willing to do it and just, it was where, you know, preparation met opportunity or whatever they say. But, mm-hmm. um, I was just so hungry and so willing to do anything and he needed somebody and it just was perfect timing for my career and, you know, started everything. Like he taught me everything and I wouldn't be anywhere in this business without him for sure. Right. Oh God. A lot of guys can say that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I, I see what I can't remember. So we come back from that. We start preseason games. I must've met you like, right. Yeah. Right then, because weren't you yeah. working for the, uh, the register? Yeah, because I remember two or three years prior, and Andy would do most of those games, whether it was Lakers, Clippers, kind of by himself, because uh-huh. it was a four-camera setup, maybe. You know, he put up yeah. one down court, maybe one near court. Remotes, remotes in the early 90s, one, two, three, four, were for kind of special occasions. You didn't put up a glass for every Laker home game. Right. You didn't do right. a a floor, a rail, a arc. Like that wasn't that was maybe the NBA finals or if you're working on a story for SI. But it certainly wasn't all the time. But what a perfect time to then start doing it because you had Shaq and Kobe. Oh, like, yes. Just and the so technology was, and the technology yeah. collided at the same time. Well. Uh the the pocket wizard uh was introduced in 96, 95, 96. So now you can have your camera wireless walk around and take strobe and take, you know, and sync up to the strobes before that you couldn't do it. There was like these really archaic kind of things like a garage door opener that like were not reliable. (laughs) They were God awful. I mean, yeah, I remember assisting McDonough one time and I was like a cable guy Pull, pulling cable for him so he can get onto the court at pregame and shoot strobes. So like, it was like I was a video guy. Just I was had a hundred feet of a zip line. That's amazing. Uh, that was yeah. That but that's how you got it done. Yeah. It was yeah. So the, we were so fortunate to be like young pups at a perfect time with film was still like the king. And so you didn't have to deal with social media. Technology was advancing, you know, the way we could shoot and put cameras and rely on them. Uh, It was, it was the best time. The absolute best. It was. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And like you said, to be at the forum back in those days, it was, it was just magical. Place was awesome. Yeah. I mean, come on. It was a four light setup. I mean, that's, (laughs) that's unheard of now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, how, what do, what's your setup in in Denver now? Are you six or eight heads? Six. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you know those uh, the reflectors have gotten better, so they got those giant shiny twenty inches, which are amazing. It's like a stop and a half increase over what we used to get off the sixteens, and but I think the forum was like eleven inches or something. It was so low. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was low. You didn't have that much to carry because you're right there on the court. I mean, yep. my, I think my overhead lens was like a 135 or something. Yeah. Yep. It was so small. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. And that was, that was just the key. Yeah. You know, that lens. You know, it was crazy. a 400 at Staples or if McDonough always <laughs> wanted a five. And it's like, yep. oh, good God. So during those like, 
three, four years with Andy, like it was quite a run, especially with the Lakers, because it was absolutely a takeoff watching him in his prime and Kobe develop into an absolute NBA phenom. And you got to be front row for that. And you grew as well, right? Oh, without a doubt, because I went from assistant um, to photographer because I, you know, I was able to start shooting towards the end of that, um, which was amazing that Andy let me do that. You know, um, it was yeah. You know, I mean, it was it was my my graduate school, my doctrine, whatever you want to call it. Right. It was, it was is really where I learned everything. So, so you just said something a lot of assistants today don't realize when you were an assistant back then. You shut up and were assisting. You didn't shoot. Now everybody wants to be the assistant that shoots. And you, right. don't, and you don't realize, no, back then, you were in charge of everything but shooting. And, and, and I think after a year or two, I had that conversation with Andy, and I was like, hey, listen, you know, as long as your stuff always works and there's no issue and if something happens, it's the priority, you know, can I shoot a little bit? And he let me do it. And it was, uh, you know, it was amazing. Yeah. Did, do you think back now and say, oh, I mean, we could see like two old guys on a porch. Like, do you realize how good it was, especially with like the film and looking at those slides and waiting for them to come back? And do you kind of, <laughs> do you look back at that now? Because now you take a picture, you just look at the back of the screen and you know, it's so many megapixels and it's going to be perfect, but. I mean, I look back at the old stuff and go, oh, man, I have no idea how good we had it. Yeah, I mean, just it was just such an awesome era. Um, I, I don't I don't obviously I don't think I knew how good it was. And in hindsight, you can look back and and think, gosh, if I knew now, uh, knew back then what I know now, like how much more I would appreciate it. And just being at Jordan's last three you know, that last run of the three Pete and, and experiencing that I mean, there's, there's memories I have from that that are so, you know, nothing in the NBA in my mind of what I've experienced has ever touched that Jordan era, like just going to those finals and, and the, the circus that it was, and it it's entirely different than it is now. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. And, and just what a, a incredible time in the NBA and to be part of that, you know, those memories, like, whether I was 25 or 50, it, it didn't matter. It was just that experience was so incredible. Um, it's but funny. I, I think that – go ahead. Well, the league uh, – you know, I don't want to crap on the league, but the league has changed the way the NBA Finals are and TV because it used to be those beautiful, intimate moments where the team would win and they'd run into the locker room and they would celebrate amongst themselves and then a select few of people would go in there and shoot it. Right. And then TV would come in and they would hand off the trophy and it was just like an orgy of champagne and people and bodies and you're trying to make these moments and you know and right. we can all close our eyes and look and think of all the great ones of those images that have been made. And now it's kind of a out on the court production with rope and right. confetti and it's nice then, but like those Jordan moments, those are, those are unbelievable dragging his ass off the court in Utah, yeah. you know, and Scotty's holding him up and he's just trying to get him to the next game. And all those times, 
those are like the best images. Yeah. They're great. Well, and just think about, I, I have to interrupt you on this one because you talk about dragging Jordan off that frame that Andy hate made of that moment, like is so incredible. And people just don't understand how hard it was oh. to focus a, a manually focus to Hasselblad at a crazy weird distance and to capture that as a TV guy is running, you know, like it's stuff like that, that I'll remember that there's no way anyone today can appreciate how hard that was to capture that moment at such a big stage. And I mean, Andy hate was ridiculous at that, you know, and that's what he did. And, and uh, it's stuff like that. That's like, no one will ever, you know, you just look on the back of your camera now and be like, Oh, I got it. Like, we didn't know if we got that image. You didn't, you know, you wouldn't know for two days or, or whatever, but um, it was like, you know, it's the golden era. It really was. It was, and, and you named him Andy hate. Like there's people that I only knew through their little teeny credit on the posters that I hung in my, my room as a kid. And then right. to somehow pick a career that would put me next to those people. <laughs> like what the hell? Oh, you're, yeah. you're Andy Bernstein. You're Andy hate. You're Peter Reed Miller. You're yeah. John Beaver. Like, Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, yep. you're so much taller than I thought you would be Peter. You know, like just <laughs> right. Like you just, cause we never saw these people. There wasn't Instagram or YouTube or, you know, the league didn't have a TV channel to do behind the scenes with Andy hate no. and how you cover, you know, whatever. Like there's a, I think it was the last tape delayed NBA finals, like Seattle when Seattle won, I forgot who they beat in like 1978 or 79. There's video of, of Bernstein running around on the court, like, all by himself. Like he's got like a 50. It's all available, like a 50 and a, yeah. a 135. And he's all by himself. It's just this Jewish guy with an Afro running around with two cameras, like a war photographer. Try it. Yeah. And there's Try nobody else. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now it's a scrum. Like it's, it, it, it's well, the, it was the best times. It was. And, 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 being around those guys, like you say, and, and picking up their breadcrumbs. And I remember Andy Haight was so willing to give you tips and insight on stuff. Um, I remember specifically he was telling me about how to use the Hasselblad in Utah one time. And I was just like, like wow, like it was just game changing for me. But uh, all those guys were such pros. Same thing. He and, did the uh, same thing for me in, in, in Vancouver. Yeah. I was like, you know, I I was randomly covering it for ESPN, the magazine. He was with NBAE, and I was just, like, having the hardest time. And McDonough yeah. had been trying to show me because he did it as well, and I'm just like, I am struggling. And he's like, come down to the ballroom in 20 minutes, and I'll show you. And <laughs> totally. We're, and we're in a ballroom at a Marriott, like, the day before, and he's, like, marking out with chairs, like, the court and the key. And he's like, okay, so you got to yep. do this. You got to do that. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And then I'm shooting the grizzly games next day. And it like, it was working. And I'm like, what the hell? Oh, now if I got to wait, then I had to wait two or three weeks to get the film back <laughs> from ESPN to see if, you know, I made anything, but 
but he was he was so good and so self assured like he didn't mind giving up the knowledge it wasn't like you were a threat he was just willing to to you know share all of those years of film knowledge and manual focus and um pretty cool yeah he was a treat he's a he's an absolute uh, unbelievable person so you get through your time in la and i remember when i heard and i was like what he's going to charlotte like how how did that come about for you and like you know you're still very young in your career and you you go i got a chance what happened there yeah i was super young and 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 that was you know right was probably the year before the lakers started winning they went on their championship run so you know i, I still came back for the finals but I wasn't there as Andy's guy, you know, and experiencing all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It was just like, Hey, here's an opportunity for me to move to Charlotte and be the team photographer um, and kind of start my career. And I just sort of weighed that against, you know, staying, um, staying in LA and, and still assisting. And, and uh, uh, my wife and I just decided, you know, we should do it. She was from the East coast and um, uh, we just kind of took a chance and it was, crazy scary just so much unknown and um a huge move for us but um you know it, in, in hindsight it was the right thing to do and, and and it all worked out but yeah i mean it was it was extremely hard to, it was right at the end of the forum they were moving to staples everything was exploding in la with with uh, the lakers and yeah i basically was just i just left town um, <laughs> yeah. for that <laughs> for that career opportunity. Um, and you know, when I got to Charlotte, I thought, okay, I, I, I got the Hornets. This is my one thing, but it, just the way it worked out. And some people that were there introduced me to the Panthers. I became their team photographer for a couple of years. Um, I started shooting wrestling. And so all of a sudden I had a huge amount of work and a lot of opportunities and it worked out really well. Did you think, because, because now you've got, you know, over 20 years of, team photography experience and and we'll talk about it people don't realize it. an ap photographer and a team photographer are like night and day your neat your night and day yeah your your supply and demand is totally different than what like ap needs so yep. when you left to charlotte did you feel you were ready to be a team photographer right because it's one thing assisting andy as the guy wearing that big sombrero hat and being <laughs> the guy did you feel like business-wise you were ready financially you know ready and creativity you had it ready to go i mean you're when you're in your 20s i think you you think you can do it all i don't i don't think i thought that in reality i thought that okay if i go to charlotte they're not like it's not like taking over the lakers like you know it's i can kind of fly under the radar and, and sort of learn my way um and I had just enough equipment to, to get by and do it at the time. <laughs> you probably remember, I would just buy stuff off of McDonough. He had like the nicest equipment, really right. sold stuff at the, at the best price. And he would be like, all right, you know, you can do like a payment thing. So I bought all my gear came from McDonough and it was always, you know, in perfect condition. And, you know, that's just another guy. He's just a legend. He was just a giving, like amazing photographer, amazing, you know, John's the best. Mm -hmm. So. Um, you know, stuff like that, that I was able to do when I was in LA enabled me to get to that point where I could be a team photographer and I had soaked it all up or as much of it I could from Andy 
to be like, uh, this is kind of how you do it. Um, and then I was able to, you know, figure it out uh, in Charlotte for those few years um, before I moved back to Denver. And it, you know, it helped tremendously for, um, when I came back here. Right. Cause it was that Charlotte team was young. There was like what Baron Davis was on that team and, and Dale Ellis was an older guy. Yeah. The Davis, uh, Ricky Davis was on there. So it was, so how do you know that? That's amazing. You, that's exactly right. Right. Well, it, cause it was, it was at, it, like grandmama, right. Johnson wasn't on that team. Like though that, that Hornets team had already had, hadn't been put together, right. They're not together. Yet. Correct. So, so, so the, it was so still a very hodgepodge of a team. Right. They weren't very good. They had, a, I think, a bad year, and then they were able to draft pretty high. So they got Baron Davis, I think, you know, the year I got there or yeah. whatever. So it was kind of the turnaround. And then they, they made a run almost to the Eastern Conference Finals, I think, my last year there um, with the P.J. Brown, Baron Davis, uh, Jamal Mashburn. Right, yeah. Um, and I think uh, it was a – George Carl's Bucks team knocked us out, um, but that was yeah. I mean, that was a good team at, by the end. So it was it was a great way to kind of start from the you know the bottom and work your way up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, they were only they only been in the league for six or seven years, right? Because didn't them and Orlando point, come yep. in at the same time? Exactly, or in the mm-hmm. in the Heat too, maybe. So yeah, you still had a new a new vibe around that organization, which was kind of nice for you to fit in. Cause like, if you said, if you take it over the Lakers and the Knicks, Oh, that would have been a lot of weight on a, on a young guy's shoulders. I think probably too much. I don't think I would have been ready for that. Like, um, the way I did it felt right and worked out great. Um, but to go into one of those big markets would have been pretty overwhelming. I right think. now. How was it doing Panthers when, not that you were pigeonholed, but you had spent so much of your early career doing NBA, and now you have this own, this sport that only has 16 games that plays once a week and weather outside where you were a hardwood floor kind of guy. How was that well, experience yeah. for you? Back to McDonough, I would, I would assist McDonough in L.A. as much as I could for uh, UCLA games. Um, I think the Rams are not the Rams. The Raiders were playing at the Coliseum back then. Um, so I used to go with John a lot just, just to soak up his just way he worked. You know, he was a maniac. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, but in a good way, like yes. he, you know, you, you just, you wanted to see how he did it and, and try and understand it and try to keep up with him. But uh, he, I, I think I learned, you know, football from, from him. Um, and never did it anywhere as good as he did, but at least, you know, Hey, I could shoot football when, when I had the opportunity. Right. So what um, gives you the Colorado calling home? Um, I don't know if you remember the guy, George Shin was the owner of the the Hornets and he, he had a contentious like uh, relationship with the city. And, and there was all this pitting the city against, uh, the fans and who's going to pay for the new building and, and all that. And they ended up, they said, okay, we're leaving. And they went to new Orleans yeah. in 2001 or 2002. And to be honest, I just, I just did not want to live in new Orleans. And I was like, I, I don't want to move there. Um, and it, that was a scary time. I was like, do we, we think we're going to get a team back. You know, everyone says that you'll get an expansion team, but you just didn't know. And it would be a couple of years um, 
and it just happened that Tim DeFrisco, who was shooting the, the Nuggets and Avs here in Denver, um, stopped doing basketball. He just had, had done enough or was kind of moving in a different direction and, and just wanted to shoot the hockey and not the basketball. Right. Um, and so I was able to come back here, which never happens. You know, I never thought I'd be able to move back to Colorado. Um, team jobs like that just don't open up. They like, don't. The, the, the way I was able to do the Charlotte Denver thing, I still look back and I was like, I don't know how I did it. Cause they just, it just doesn't happen. And you know, I've, I've been doing it here in Denver for uh, over 20 years. So it, 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 it's, they just don't come open. So it was super, super fortunate um, to have that work out. Yeah. That, I mean, especially home. I mean, you could have taken, right. it could have been a San Antonio. It could have been Jersey, wherever, but it was at home. It, you know, in the state. It, I mean, that's unbelievable. It, and I still have family here. And I, you know, I grew, as a kid, I grew up with Kiki Vandaway and Hamslick and, you know, those old Nuggets teams, like went to Nuggets games as a little kid. And, um, you know, to, to now be part of uh, recording 20, 25 years of their history is, is pretty, you know, this is super satisfying. I love it. That you're always been in the same building, correct? You didn't. You didn't. You weren't the team guy in the old building. Correct. So Tim DeFrisco used to. He was in the. Uh, it was McNichols. That's right. McNichols. The old building. Right. Where I I used to go to games in high school at McNichols, and then they dropped that, put the new Mile High Stadium on that, and then uh, built the Pepsi Center across the street. That's right. Which is McNichols now Ball Arena. Yeah. Yeah. That's God. Uh, I forgot that name. Yeah. When they actually been used to be named after something. Instead of a yeah, product. he was the old. He was a mayor or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you've gone from Pepsi to Ball, something else. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, you're right. Like I, those, this, you know, the Bradley Center in Milwaukee. It's all gone. They're all corporate names now. And yeah, um, it kind of meant something when you were a kid. Like the Great Western Forum, like that name on the outside as a kid when you walked up, and the way that building, sure. its architecture, like it was like oh. Dad is taking us to a special occasion because we're yeah, here, totally. you know, and we had to come down Manchester because it wasn't the one Oh five yet. <laughs> so you're like driving through that way, you know, and now, yeah, yeah. you know, you got to go into a parking structure, drop 30 bucks. And then you walk into a place and you got, you know, it's, it's like going through TSA. It's not the same experience yeah. anymore as a kid. But, and, and Matt, you know, are, am I Milwaukee, Houston, or LA, like the buildings are all trying to become the same thing where, you know, they used to be so unique, like, you know, the, the old, uh, Oracle in, in Oakland, like what a, another dump, but like super unique, um, historical building and, you know, it had its quirks and, you know, I really miss the, the weird old buildings, uh, around the league. Cause they're all just, you know, beautiful shopping malls now. Right. Well, the key arena in Seattle. Um, oh, Still my favorite. Yeah. Where's, um, shoot. I remember, where the hell did the uh, Atlanta Hawks Wait, play? What, they played what, in the, the, the crazy place. Yeah, but they dumped out by uh, the airport in Sacramento. What was the name of that place? Arco. Arco. Well, yeah, when it, there was nothing by it. There used to be, you had to drive out of town to get to that thing. It was the only thing out there, like, you know, and, and it was so awful in some respects, but so great, so loud. And 
Yeah, it's just unique. No seating. You, you would sit down, and literally your your ass was on the guy's feet behind you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but but it was like that so. at the forum too. It was absolutely intimate. I mean, you were you were yep. right, it was, you were right there with with all the fans. So it's it was, so yeah. Now we sound like old guys talking about those those great old days. Well, if you say Bradley <laughs> Arena, everybody's like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, now it's the something dot com or the whatever. Yeah, but those, those Pfizer, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. So those early years at the Nuggets, did you change anything that you had learned while being with the Hornets, business wise, financial wise? Um, did you kind of were you a better team photographer going into the Nuggets time? Oh, for sure. But yeah, you know, a lot of that stuff didn't change a whole lot because we're. Our, our our setup has been the same forever. The way we sort of, as team photographers, we work for the league and then we're sort of assigned to a team. Like I work for the NBA, but I'm the Nuggets team photographer. <laughs> and um, it's kind of the way it is for every, um, every team. Um, and it was just more, you know, I had more confidence. I knew uh, what I wanted to do and kind of how I wanted to handle things. And um yeah, it was just awesome to be um, back home. And then, you know, gosh, like six months after I got back, my wife got pregnant with our first kid. And so just going through all that um, and having family here, it was just, you know, it's, it's worked out amazingly. I'm so, I'm just so lucky. It's crazy. Now, as the Nuggets photographer, you were in a moment where technology was changing and you became digital, correct? Yeah, I think that started in Charlotte, though. I remember getting that first oh, horrible God. Nikon, uh, what and, heck was that thing? And something 2000 or whatever, god-awful. Well, we'd, we'd use the Kodak version during the finals. <laughs> you know, it weighed like 50 pounds, and we'd get you'd get burned from it. And... Carpal tunnel. No. <laughs> oh. But then Nikon came out with a digital camera, so then we had like one handheld digital and then you'd upload that, but you were still bagging film and sending film out. Um, but I didn't go totally digital until a couple of years into my Nuggets stint. But you know, when I when I got here, I think they had won 15 games. Maybe it came off. I think probably I think it was a franchise low in wins. But that's what enabled them to get mellow. That was the mellow uh, mm-hmm. LeBron draft. A crazy crazy draft and and uh, you know that changed the franchise it's still affecting the franchise which is amazing oh in ab- good ways absolutely i think i think jamal murray was actually a byproduct of draft picks that we got when we traded uh mellow to the knicks Jeez, really? so it's still it's yeah still paying dividends from that whole thing but you know we went on a 10-year run in the playoffs with uh mellow and george carl and and um, in, in my mind, that 09 Nuggets team was the best team in the league. And, you know, had we been able to, to inbound the ball right. in game one, we would have beat the Lakers. Like, it still haunts me. And, of course, Kobe. Kobe killed us. Yeah, well. As, as Kobe does. Right. There's never been an um, assassin like that guy. Oh, my goodness. But that was, that was one of those teams, that Nuggets team that year, was just – it was so exciting. You just knew that they could beat anyone at any time and, and just the, the energy. And I mean, it was a crit, you know, Birdman and um, J.R. Smith, Mellow. It was just a, an insane 
group of guys, wild guys, and uh, a lot of fun to be around. How was the transition for digital to you? Was it natural or did you kind of fight it? Uh, you know, it didn't all happen at once. Like I said, they, they, they started with one camera and we kind of, you know, you went into it and nobody really liked it because the quality wasn't very good. You kind of had to deal with it because it was, you know, we need to get images out. Um, I still don't like it. (laughs) If you, okay. If you were king for a day, would you shoot film? Well, sure. Of course. Cause it, it's just, it just looks different. Now, is it, is it better? I don't know, but gosh, there was just, it was an art. There was something to being able to expose it. Right. And you just, and the not knowing like, uh, the preparation and, and uh, attention to detail to get it right because you didn't know what it was going to look like for a couple of days yeah. or weeks or whatever it was. Right. Um, yeah. And so someone called you and said, my God, you nailed it or you screwed the pooch. But uh, Matt, I, I still don't think the blacks are anywhere near as good. You can't get that, the, the, the blacks that we used to get at the forum. No, um, out of digital. No, um, I, I don't. I don't see them in print anywhere. It's just not the same. So no, there would be those slam magazine images of somebody at the forum, or you know, uh, John would get something, or you know, an SI, and you would see it at the forum and just go, "Oh, wow!" Yeah. they stand uh, out like they're floating through air. Yeah, those were the the beautiful images yeah. made through digital that can't capture. I just can't. Have you even tried to touch like medium format and shoot at basketball? I really haven't. I haven't, uh, you know, with a leaf back or any, and I haven't, I haven't tried that at all. Um, I think what I've done is just tried different lighting um, more than anything, rather than, than shoot film or, or, or mess with that part of it. It's just, you know, with us strobing everything, it's trying to strobe it in a different way is, is um, some of the stuff that I've been trying to do. Yeah. Right. So that's a bit of being the best dinosaurs because guys don't use strobes anymore. You're, you're in this dying breed of people that know how to light an arena, wire it up, right. light it and shoot one frame a second. And now you're in well, this, into this phase of, you know, manipulating the light and it's funneling it in one strobe or two strobes and, that has become kind of like a, when I did my research on you, it's like, it goes back to your college days of being a lot more creative at Arizona. And now you're putting it on the basketball court. But, you know, it's not, I can't claim it because Walter Yost did it. Right. You know, uh, Greg Nelson. Absolutely. It and he was, he was really my inspiration for it, but it's, it's, I think because I had the opportunity, listen, we got, Andy Bernstein and Nat Butler, two of the greatest NBA photographers of all time, are covering the NBA Finals. I'm not going to top anything that they're doing on the court because they kill it. Mm-hmm. So what can I do to create something different or unique? And uh, Joe Motti, my boss at the NBA, you know, I don't know, it was like eight years ago, um, just allowed me to do it. Like if I got something great, if I missed something, you know, we, we had these other guys that were going to capture everything. So right. he, he kind of let me run amok almost and, and just try different lights, different things um, to, to create this kind of look that I've been going for. 
Um, and I think it has been seven or eight years now, but it's, I'm so lucky to be able to go to that big of an event and create my own light. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's a pretty, it's pretty amazing that I get to do that. Well, so. and yeah, Walter did it and Nelson has done it, but all those, all the photographers after them saw it and nobody's tr- trying to do it on a regular basis. And you are, and which still shows that, you know, you've got a fire in you to keep making images. But you ever seen, and this probably goes back to my art history days. It was uh, Caravaggio, uh, Paul Rubens, those old um, chiaroscuro, I guess it was 17th century. Those, And they would use that like shaft of light to illuminate, a, you know, it was like a, a an operation or a, somebody getting stabbed. It was this crazy moment in history and they, they would use this super dramatic light on it. So in my mind, I was like, how, how could you take a game winning shot at the NBA finals or some big moment and, and kind of create that same thing. And I, I, you know, I can't say that I've done it, but that's at least the, that's what I'm trying to do is, is take these moments in NBA history or on the court and, and make them look like something that they're not, you know, because when you do hit it with one light, it's like, what is, what's happening there? Like, how is this possible? Cause you don't see it, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's strobed. So you don't see it until you see the final product. Um, so yeah, it's a blast. It's so much fun to try and do. What, what are you, what are you playing and manipulating with? Are you manipulating the reflector? Are you adding like a black wrap and giving yourself a, your own little funnel or snoot? What are you doing? to actually play with your uh, light all of the above but uh, the biggest factor is buildings and we talk about old buildings <laughs> you know it's the, yeah. those buildings with low ceilings were the best ones to do it so the old oracle in oakland was that crazy old building with a low ceiling so you, you could you could put one light and you remember that it was a concrete ceiling mm-hmm. it was a, really a weird catwalk yeah but it you didn't have to put black wrap or anything. It would funnel the light in such a way that if you just put them in weird spots, it would do everything for you. You know, where now you go to Milwaukee, you can't even, you can't even do that. It's just the buildings don't allow that to happen. So it's, it's so building dependent now. It's kind of an interesting thing where I'll go into a building and go, man, how am I going to create this? Because it just doesn't lend itself to it. Um, some buildings do, some don't, but it's, it's black wrap, it's foam core. Uh, it's just directional lighting. You're just trying to, you know, control it as much as you can to create, um, that, that effect of a spotlight really. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful. It really does separate the image and make it just this almost painting or, if you can, you know, you're on a strobe, but a, more of a frozen moment in time because it's not natural. It's this beautiful uh, capture. I, I remember when I, they started becoming more, you know, Greg was doing them and, and you've done them for the last eight, but it's, it's really fun to look forward to seeing those. It, it, and, you know, we keep thinking, oh, you're, you're going to do the same thing, but, you know, it, people seem to still like it and I'd love to do it. So, um, <laughs> and, and, the, and the teams change, the buildings change. You know, the lighting's always different, but uh, I, I still love doing it. I, I want to keep doing it because it – and the comments, too, are hilarious when you put them on Instagram. People think it's post um, 
it's a bunch of Photoshop. Right. You know, none of those that I do are ever, it's all tethered. It all goes to the league and they're put out on Getty and, and I never get to touch them. Yeah. So what goes out is, is what I shot. You know, it's not, it's not filters and, um, you know, it's just out of the camera because of the strobes. Isn't that sad that everybody assumes what you're making isn't real because everybody just assumes yeah. everything's fake. Oh, they ran it through Lightroom. No, I actually yeah. spent time making it. <laughs> It's always like a oh, dope edit, bro. I'm like, no, it's not. I'm not doing anything. I'm not dope editing anything. It's just, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. It's called dope time, bro. Hours before <laughs> it's being yeah. an arena nine hours before they even allow anybody in the arena. <laughs> but, and, and that's the thing too, Matt, you know, like I can go in a catwalk and do that things. Cause I work for the league, like some schmo off the street just can't do that. And so it's, it's having the, the opportunity and the, the access um, too is all part of it that I'm just crazy lucky. Right. How, how do you keep your sanity shooting the, literally the same basketball night after night with that very simple setup of, you know, and we could talk about what is your setup down court, near court remotes. Like how are you keeping your sanity with that repetitiveness over and over again? Oh, uh, I, because you're, you're, trying to do some different stuff every now and then you get a bigger player that comes in. Um, you know, a lot of times it is making the donuts. Like you got to go, you got to cover the, the, the calves are coming into town. It's kind of seems like a nothing game. Um, and times it does feel repetitive, but you still have to generate that content for both of the teams, for the league, for whoever, um, you know, it never feels like a job, but you never want to get in the, point where you're like just cranking it out and not feeling creative you know i think even if you're just covering it a normal game there's still always something you can find in that game that's creative um and shooting anything with strobes is a challenge it's always oh, a challenge yes um and uh, i just switched from <laughs> nikon to sony so that's like <sighs> You know, it's like learning a new language. And yeah, talk about that the, because that's that has been the uh, unbelievable thing for a lot of guys. And you're on strobes, right? Um, and there's no perfect solution. There's not like I've hit like oh, Sony is the greatest thing ever. Uh, it's very good. The autofocus is incredible. There's these things that it captures that I never was able to capture before. But at the same time, you're like man, I'm looking at a monitor. I'm not looking at what I really see. Just shooting a mirrorless system is, is, is a huge adjustment. Um, yeah, how has that been? And, I didn't, I've not done basketball mirrorless yet. So how has that been for you visually to get, to get your eye comfortable? I don't know. Is that something? Yeah. It's hard. Cause like what I'm looking at, uh, I'm, you know, you're looking at a TV through that viewfinder and it doesn't look very good. And I'm not seeing what's really going on, even though I am, I'm not right. Uh, it's an adjustment. And then you, you, you see the images and you're like, wow, those look amazing. Look how sharp this is so much sharper. It's just so much crisper. But when you're shooting it, it just, it, it is, it's just a different way to do it. It's uh, it's where technology is. It's adjusting. Um, you know, how, how can I use this to my advantage? You know, how do I, overcome some of the shortfalls of it it's it's just a huge learning curve it's way way bigger than 
gosh, I remember even switching <laughs> to digital before. Really? You know, going from film to digital, I don't think was as hard as going to mirrorless. Like it's hard. Oh, that um, is... Maybe not for like for football or baseball or soccer. It's 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 noticeably better and easier, I think. But shooting basketball was a hard adjustment on that thing. How how has been the relay and getting it to match up with your strokes? Because I know early on everybody had to kind of do like this Frankenstein to get it to work. Has that been something that's been resolved or you found a way to work around? Well, the, Sony came out with the A1. So the A1 sinks at 400th of a second, clean, no edge, no nothing uh, with a pocket wizard. You just put a pocket wizard on it. And okay. Go. Okay. Like, that's good. So that, so it solved that, but it's just the, uh, like, I want to grab the camera, whip it up to my, my face and shoot something right away. And it's like, Oh, it's got to wake up. It's got to, you know, it's like, how do I turn this off? How do I do this? Oh, you know, that met, that menu is so deep and it's just like I've spoken English my whole life and I've got to learn Chinese and I just don't know, you know, I get stuck in my translation of uh, trying to find stuff and figure it out. And there's nobody else who speaks Chinese around you to help you out. Yeah. So that's even well, worse. It, there's a, a lot of people that switch. So it is an interesting, you know, all the AP guys have switched. So we, we go to them all the time. We're like, yo, how do you do this? And they'll, they'll hit you with the, you got to do these five things right away um, <laughs> before you do anything. Um, uh. So uh, it's, it's just, it's just, it's, you totally feel overwhelmed at first, but you know, um, I, it, it, there's something to, you know, shooting on Nikon my whole life that I could grab that D5 and I could do anything that I wanted. And I knew exactly my shortcuts and, you know, it was so comfortable and so, um, it was just, you didn't have to think. Right. And, and you could create. And, and, and so you, you just want to get back to that point where you can really use that instrument, you know, to be creative and not have to worry about, oh, my God, where's this thing in this menu? And uh, how do I do that? But eh, it just takes time. Yeah, that's the goal, to be able to pick a camera up and not think about it. The last thing you want to be yeah. is like, oh, where's the buttons? <laughs> I'm so lost. That's not what you need. But it, it, and you don't appreciate it until it kind of goes away and you're like, wow, that, that comfortable feeling of picking up a camera and not even thinking about it is, is, is a nice thing to have. Oh, God. So has all of your gear switched over to Sony? Or do you have some No, stragglers? my remotes, the remotes are still Nikon because I, I, to be honest, I couldn't afford, you know, five or six remotes at six grand a pop plus all the lenses and cables and um, there's no reason to switch those cause they all work. Right. Uh, big, big files. It's a, an eight ten, and you know, uh, we're still using that old flash wizard two technology. I, I was going to ask you that. Are you still using flash wizard? Yeah. Because they, they work and you don't have to do anything. You just put them up and, and they go, you know, I, a lot of guys use the pocket wizards and, do yeah. delay and all that. Yeah. I sold but, my flash wizards and went to the pocket wizards. Because I got a premium for yeah. them. Oh, my God. I sold it for a yeah. fortune. Well, and nobody makes them. And, and I think Sean Cohen is the only person that fixes them now. Like, uh, LPA won't even fix them. So Right. I was going to say, know. like, do you bubble wrap and baby those things more than your children? Because, God. Dude, they're, they're wrapped in diapers. And they're, like, for medically sealed in little cases when I travel. Because they're it's pure gold. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's the goose. It's not even the goal. It's the actual goose. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, yeah, my they God. Totally are. God love you for actually still using those things. Poof, man. Because uh, they're so delicate. They really are. They were never. They are. Uh, and the cabling and everything that goes about it. But when uh, they work, there's nothing better. Nothing yeah, better. And that's part of it. That you don't have to worry. Yeah all your cameras are all synced up and you got five cameras firing at the same time. And you're just like, Oh, I am a God. This is a good day. <laughs> just make there's, pictures. There's a couple guys, Matt, that have figured out how to uh, zip tie cameras together and sync them. Like we always wanted to because huh. the cameras are better and their shutters fire at the same time. If you get like three or four of the same bodies, you can get them all to sync now. Yeah. Right. Um, but it, again, you're back to, that's a lot of zip line and, you know, um, sure you, you, you don't have the flash wizard too, but then you got a whole bunch of cable, you know, you're still dealing with something. So, right. I still have, and my wife is like, just get rid of it. And I'm like, no, I still have the zip line that I used to wrap around the outside of the edge of the basketball court at the forum. To get <laughs> to get my camera down court so I could fire it with my button, like I still have that in a in a box sitting in a closet somewhere in the, in yeah. the garage. I just, I can't get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. So much zip. Yeah, I mean, oh my god, the best. What and is, we still we still use a ton of that. Oh god, yeah. Oh, I'm I'm sure I'm still keeping that industry alive when I when I have to light something. <laughs> What's the best photo you've taken in your career so far? Oh, uh, I, I I don't know. I I figured this question would come, and it's it's happened. I, I just I don't have one. I don't have one that's like, oh, uh, this is the this uh, is the one. Okay, Christmas is coming up. Somebody says, hey, uh, make me your favorite print. What would that be? Because oh, making a print God. for somebody and your favorite photo are two different things, right? Because you could Usually, just be like, oh, this one's beautiful and. Everybody will like this, but your best is sometimes different. So what would that I would ask them what their favorite was and then print it for them. Well, that, that photo um, of Kobe on the, on the bench, like the, who's not going to like that. Even yeah, a Clipper fan yeah. would love to have that in his you know, man cave, <laughs> right? Because he is an iconic, great Mount Rushmore of players. So you would still have to, you know, suck it and be like, okay, I'll, I'll take that Kobe photo. That's true. Yeah. It's just, I, I, man, I don't, I just don't have, I don't have the one that I would be like, yeah, I gotta, uh, I gotta pull out number 486 again. And sign it. <laughs> like, All right. And here's, here's maybe the one that's even more difficult because it's painful. What's the one you wish you had back because either the film didn't develop the, you know, during... this is easy. Okay. You don't even have to finish this. Yeah. This. Okay. So when I worked for Andy, um, the second of the three peats. So this is the last three Jordan titles. It's it's the last one in Utah. It's the game six or seven, mm -hmm. right? The six. Yep. He never went to the seven. Famous, yeah. Right. So it's his last shot. Um, and the most famous one is labeled as Fernando Medina's because he was holding the camera, but he was a drone. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was my job at the time to set up the lights. I lit that building. I set up all of Andy's remotes, like that whole thing I was in charge of. And I mean, that was, I just remember being incredibly stressed out. Like if this stuff doesn't work, then we don't get 
these pictures, you know, like it was a lot, it was a lot of stuff to take care of, but, um, it all worked and we got it. And I remember SI's like half of their lights didn't fire. They kind of got one from the front, but it wasn't like Fernando's epic legendary down court. Right. Oh, I remember the whole scene. Yeah. But at that time we'd kind of switched to digital. And so I was, I was on the court. And I was on the end that Fernando was at and I had a digital camera and I was droning. And to this day, I'll never forget it. I have the same frame. And I remember looking through this digital camera at that moment when he shoots the shot and my camera didn't fire. And, you know, that's the one shot. That's the one you're like, man, I wish I could have that one back. But the important thing was everybody else's camera worked and we captured it from, you know, 13 different angles. And, um, I don't even think Andy got it, but he's the one that hit the button that fired them all. So, you know, the fact that as a team, we were able to capture that moment, um, is, is one of the things I'm most proud of that I've ever done. But at the same time, you're like, damn, I wish my camera would have worked, you know, you know, to get that. It's so funny about that game. I had that conversation with John Beaver who was there and ended up getting the cover but one of the lights is out in his shot. And he said yep. there was something about that series in Utah that the building was fighting photography. Like the lights didn't work. There were sync cord issues. Like lights would work for, a, you know, 10 minutes and then they wouldn't. And then someone would go up there and they'd be like, the pack is firing, but it's not syncing. And there was something about, he said, that series that was just, fighting history did you feel that no because our stuff all worked and, and <laughs> except you know, for your camera <laughs> but but that was my own fault because right. i had switched cameras to go on court for the post-game celebration so i had moved to a different setup to so i was able to run out there uh-huh. like it had worked the whole game but the second i switched to a unit that was down by my side that's why it didn't work. But it's one of those things you didn't know until, right, it happens. you know, it, it, it doesn't work. So I, I, you know, I can only blame myself for that. I'm, I'm fine with that. But the important thing was that everybody else has worked for the NBA because we're on one satellites and then SI had a satellites, but you know, I don't, you know, I didn't even know that they were having problems. All I knew in, in hindsight was that one of their lights went out, but, you know, that's happened to everybody. Right. Oh, different God. times. You just you just hope it doesn't happen at the NBA Finals. Right. You want it to happen game 36 of the season, not the last game of the season. Right. Yeah. No one cares if it happens against, you know, the Hornets and, and, and no one gets upset. But, boy, when it's the right. NBA Finals and it's Jordan's last shot, whoo, that's painful. And and that I, and that we had we had rented out a, a photo lab in town basically taking it over to process all the film. And I remember going to the lab like late, late that night and, uh, and Joe Amati going through that roll of film of Fernando's and pulling that image out. Like I'll always remember that. It was like, that's the one it was, you know, it was, that was a pretty cool moment. It was just the, all that hard work of basically a team. It wasn't one photographer. It was a whole group of us that created that image and, and Fernando's name goes on it as it should, you know, right. I'm not, um, but for me, it was a satisfying like team victory 
type of thing. But at the same time, totally disappointing that I don't have an image from that moment. But, you know, that I did what I was supposed to do. So that I guess that is really all that matters. I got one last question for you because I know you got to run. Does does photography still get you fired up? Like, are you fired up about going out this weekend and making that oh, road trip? Sure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it doesn't feel, you know, it can be grueling. Um, the travel, the packing, the schlepping, all that. But it's such an adventure and it's not, it's, you know, it's not a job. Like, I, I still feel like I'm somehow beating the system that I never really, you know, I think that's the payoff. Like, I'm not uh, a, a billionaire. I'm able to have a nice uh, living and do something I really love to do. And, and I'm still always looking to improve and do something different. And, um, yeah, just, I still really enjoy it. That's awesome. All right. I'm going to cut you loose. Cause I know you got to jump on the road and go make wonderful images and everybody can, uh, <laughs> can see them this weekend. Where, where can people see your work? Uh, probably Instagram. I, I feel like that's where I put, um, uh, most of my stuff on there. So I have a website too, but I, I boy, that's not even current. So yeah, <laughs> go to Instagram GWE photo. I'll make sure we link that up. Everybody's got to follow, find those beautiful photos and that great head of hair and they can see you all across the place. Listen, man, I, it's so great to catch up with you. It's been so long and we have such a good history and I uh, really, it's just awesome to talk to you, Matt. And, and I'm glad that you're still doing it too. And, um, you can catch up about old times. Absolutely. We got to do a part two because you've got a deep, rich history. We didn't even touch on the Olympics, soccer, any of that stuff. My God, man. What, how did time fly and we get so much done? Yeah, I don't know. I, probably because we haven't talked to each other. So <laughs> just catching up on them. All right. You know, seriously, it's a ton. It'd be great. Oh, my God. All right. You're the best. I appreciate it. Let's talk uh, and catch up again another time. Love it. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. All right. See you, brother. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Garrett Elwood. Please click the like button if you enjoyed and subscribe as well. You can find all of our past shows on the website, justgoodconversation.com. Thank you for listening.